everybody. I'm Marco. And I'm Connor. Who are you? I'm John. John. Nice to meet you, sir. Likewise. Well, we've met before. Yeah, it's true. We have. Uh, Just first time on the pod. First time on the pod. How you feeling? I'm good. No one has ever cared this much about what I have to say. I do. Oh, wow. Oh, I care. That's very supportive. I was going to tell him. <laughs> yeah, that. what it's were you going to continue? How probably for the rest of your life. <laughs> exactly. This is my five minutes. Better make it count. <laughs> more than go. it's probably be more than five minutes though. Yeah. Pending. We, we all have been more than five minutes. Pending the conversation where yeah. it goes. We might end it early. We'll see. We might just turf it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so we usually start off with some introduction stuff. Obviously, your name is John. You've already said that. What's your last name? Alvario. Alvario. Good. Doctor uh, Alvario. Doctor Alvario. Um, so what med school did you go to? I went to Vanderbilt. Vandy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're obviously here for your intern year. Uh, what year, or just, you completed your intern year. What year are you now? I'm a two now. All right. Rolling, rolling in it. And then what are your future interests? I'm going to palliative care. Palliative care, just like Connor mm-hmm. here. And then uh, what do you do in your free time? Free time, everyone knows this. I can never stop talking about it. All I do is listen to electronic music and think about going to electronic shows. Underground house and techno. That's me. Wow. That's great. Didn't know that. Love it. Mm-hmm. Who, who's your go-to? Oh, so many. So many. I mean, it really depends on the genre. You've got your, I mean, uh, really good techno show is always going to be my favorite, but that's really hard to find. I mean, I've seen, you know, some pretty amazing techno artists do special shows like there's this artist named Tihana T, who's Serbian and grew up when NATO was bombing her hometown and people would go to techno shows to escape the sounds of the bombing and just dance in the middle of the day in broad daylight in dark clubs and so she did a dystopian set once that was just putting together all these crazy experiences I mean that was just fantastic but otherwise it's house shows I mean you've got so many house subgenres that I just love and Chicago is the birthplace of house music which is why I ranked it so high in my match list there we go. Wow. I just wanted to hear that go on for a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was awesome. This is not about him at all. Oh my it's just God. about house music to go. <laughs> I can keep going. I love house and techno music all day. Well, yep. so who do you who do you listen to like now? Who's like your your most recent You're going to go home after this. So you're many. put on some music and mm-hmm. relax or I guess you relax the house. Yeah, you're, mm-hmm. you're oh, relax yeah. the house. Yeah. 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 And who are you going to put on? Oh, well, let's see. I mean, it, to kind of, if you want something a little higher energy, which I always enjoy, Dirty House music, you've got your Chris Lake, you've got your people from Dirty Bird Records like Claude Von Stroke and Justin Martin and his brother Christian Martin. Um, you've always got, if you want something a little lower key, you've got Deep House, people like Nora and Pure, this awesome South African artist. Um, it just depends on what mood you're in. Is well, there a clean house? Clean house? No. Because a dirty house. <laughs> Small house. What are we on, Letterkenny? Was that? Is that there's, where we're... there's tropical house. Is pretty. Kygo. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, Kygo exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Lots of houses. So oh, so many. Is your, is your music so many like deep it's house, tech house, dirty house, <laughs> tropical house, tech house. All right. Have you seen? Was... Wait, sorry. Last question about the house music because I'm very interested. Yeah. Have you seen any good shows in Chicago? Uh, Oh, I guess it's been. Oh, wow, because of COVID. There's been a certain virus that's been putting a damper on our plants, but it's starting to pick back up. Uh, I saw someone named Damien Lazarus way years ago, uh, the first time I came to Chicago, his first show. I saw Damien Lazarus. All right. Wow. I'm going to have to look into all these these artists. Mm -hmm. I do like Nora in in, in Mm -hmm. Pure. 
I saw her live in a suburb of Detroit, Ferndale. She was awesome. She did such a tasteful job mixing her own music into her dance grooves all night. It was great. Good to know. Mm-hmm. That was probably the best. I'm fascinated. Yeah. Wow. Very in depth. Yeah. Anyways, I love it. Uh, Connor, you want to kick it off? Sure. Um, so, kind of how we've been starting off the podcast after a little bit of intro. Kind of want to get into the mindset of going into intern year. What that was like for you. What were you thinking? What were you expecting? Um, kind of your initial thoughts prior to starting residency? Mm, Well, my path is a little bit different because I did a surgery year, uh, an internship in general surgery before starting here. So coming here, I was looking forward to a kind, considerate group of people and spending a lot more time with my patients, taking care of the whole human being. I mean, I want to go into palliative care because it's a specialty that takes care of the human spirit as much as it does the human body. So I was just looking forward to a way better chance to do that and and give more to my patients in the way that I feel like I do best. So what made you want to go into surgery? So originally my plans were to go into emergency medicine. I didn't match for a whole bunch of reasons, including probably not being a good fit for the field. Um, and then I decided to do the hardest possible option from there, which was a prelim year in gen- general surgery, which was intense to say the least. Wow. And then I realized that to get to palliative care, internal medicine would be the best way. So here I am. I'm pretty happy. There you go. Um, well, that was uh, that. That's a long way to get to internal medicine. It is a long that way. That one surgery. <laughs> yeah. Very um, roundabout, but I'm where I'm supposed to be. All right. Um, so. You had a surgical, what was your surgical year like? It was intense. It was nonstop. I mean, the workload was crazy. It's, you take care of more patients than internal medicine. I mean, sometimes the list is at 30, 40. Um, You don't do an in-depth job with every patient. I think that's the biggest difference with internal medicine. And I am, you are responsible for pretty much every detail and helping to take care of the human being in front of you. In general surgery, it was, as an intern at least, it was, taking care of the couple most important things for any given patient and they tended to be much more acutely ill um, and you just took care of a much greater number. You're always kind of super mobile running around the hospital pre-oping patients, checking on them post-op, balancing that with your um, inpatients who are already admitted and then clinic on top of that so it was just hectic non-stop. Some super long shifts too. Sometimes the shifts would be, I mean, we had, our standard shifts were like 28 to 30 hours, and we did that pretty frequently throughout the year. Um, and yeah, it was, it, was, it was busy. But you got super efficient at taking care of patients, and you balance priorities well, and you take care of super acutely sick people. So I gained a lot from that one year. Yeah, and I think it, <clears throat> it was really interesting when you said that you chose the hardest possible thing. Mm-hmm. What went into that decision? Because I think it's such an interesting uh, way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many people would say, hey, I'm going to choose the hardest possible thing. <laughs> why, why did you choose that? Uh, at the time, my main options were a gen surge prelimere and an IMP prelimere. And a gen surge prelimere, just especially Vanderbilt, has a reputation for being super intense. And... Um, and busy in all the ways I described and I just felt like that level of intensity would prepare me best for whatever came next yeah it's really Uh, interesting so you you go 
be an intern someplace. Sounds like it was super intense. And then you come to internal medicine, mm-hmm. uh, which again, we have a kind of a, it's not an easy intern year, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did, how did, what were your thoughts before starting another intern year? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, being an intern and writing all the notes and I mean, is its own kind of slog, but I wasn't quite sure what to expect. I was mostly looking forward to being able to dedicate more thoughtfulness and consideration to my patients. But, um, you know, people always ask me, like, didn't, you know, your gen surge intern year count towards internal medicine? It took me all of one round to realize that I could never have been an internal medicine <laughs> senior after that year. I mean, you need to completely know what you're doing and I am and there's no glossing over problems and you're I mean you just need to know your patients so much more in depth and manage their problems in much greater depth um and consideration yeah and so uh, there was a whole bunch of learning brand new material that took place last year and now I'm feel best set up feel really well set up by both years all right so I guess Going back to the first, the same question, but defining it. Before you started your surgical year, you didn't you didn't match where you thought you would be. Mm-hmm. You took the hardest road. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts before that transition between M4 and being a doctor? Oh, it was like when you're out surfing and you're trying to make it out past the break and you just see a big ass wave coming your way and you don't know exactly how big it is or how far you're going to be under but you just hold on and <laughs> take a deep breath and hope for the best yeah I wish I knew anything about surfing <laughs> yeah, hang, they seemed insightful hang 10, yeah. hang, hang, hang ten you know that's but, what uh, I know okay wow. and then how would you compare that to right about right before you started internal medicine uh, internal medicine, I mean, I was a lot more settled because I knew I could handle, you know, the 30-hour shifts and I knew I could handle huge patient loads. And so I, uh, I I wasn't sure exactly quite what to expect, but I knew that I would be prepared for the for the workload of it. And then, I mean, so you, you handle a lot of the workload with, with Gen Surge and then uh, internal medicine after that. But then obviously we had the big curveball, which was COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, how how did you kind of deal with that? Um, and have you had, a, had an opportunity to kind of process what, what that experience was like? I think, I mean, COVID was intense. I was in the medical ICU where most of the USC COVID patients go in either November or early December 2020 um, when, I mean, cases were through the roof. We were having more than 4,000 new cases in the U.S. a day, and we were looking at... or. Was it four, no, 4,000 deaths a day, pardon me. And <clears throat> and being the MICU and seeing, I mean, I was telling you earlier about this, Connor. Was, I mean, you saw patients suffer in really creative ways, and they had long, drawn-out, terrible deaths. And it was just, it's hard to see. It's hard to see human beings go through that. And so I recognized this was a huge kind of psychic burden and emotional burden. And I started talking to my friends that were in healthcare. Um, about kind of about some of the toughest patients and I think that helped me at least establish that it was something really hard to go through and and just recognize kind of the weight and the stress that came with it and so I think that definitely helped and now cases have settled way more and so we haven't been seeing that as frequently so that's been better but um, I recognize now as things might pick up again in fall and winter 2021 that I you know I think I'm 
at least can steel myself for the same thing to happen again. Um, so I you guess can find me in the MICU November 2021. <laughs> so I guess in uh, the end of your surgery year, uh, there was COVID, obviously. And what was that like going? I, what did you see on that side? Uh, we hardly saw any COVID patients. Um, it's, you know, super early in the pandemic. And you want to feel like you were, as a physician, you were doing, you know, some part in helping to take care of COVID patients, but we hardly took care of COVID patients. Um, if they were COVID positive and going to the ORs because they had something that needed to be done really urgently and their COVID wasn't particularly severe. So um, really my first time taking care of COVID patients for real was internal medicine. And then you start your intern year. You kind of you're you kind of didn't really need a settle in period, I guess, because you mm-hmm. had that for a year. Um, you're like, you're at least operationally uh, a seasoned intern. Um, what then? What, what do you think your biggest challenges were that first year? Mm, it was definitely the the medical knowledge, just learning all the pathophysiology in depth, and and uh, you know working through big differentials and knowing how to work up uh, an undifferentiated sick patient and taking ultimate responsibility over them. Uh, I already knew the workflow and how to balance multiple patients and how to run around the hospital assessing people and you know what things to look for and and the general you know workflow of writing notes and talking to consultants. But it was really the kind of learning the medical knowledge in depth. And then what it's, what's it like been, you know, so you go through your entire intern year and now you make the transition to your senior year. Mm-hmm. What has that been like? And I know you were on a pretty busy service, hematology. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how has that transition been and what, what kind of uh, tips and tricks would you give for people when they, when they make that transition? Oh, for me, it felt like finally, like this was what I was waiting for was <laughs> to have this responsibility. And an I'd been an intern for two years. Yeah. I was pretty ready to just be in the driver's seat and be in the leadership role. I mean, what I would tell people is that we all went into medicine for a purpose, right? We went there to have a tremendous amount of responsibility, have our patients and their families and their loved ones look up to us for direction and guidance. And not to lose sight of that. I mean, that's a very, you know, sacred position to be in and to always keep that at the front of your mind and recognize what an opportunity it is. And, you know, no matter how much you're working and and sacrificing and how much time you spend at the hospital and, you know, what a drag it can be to deal with things like documentation, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're still, as a senior resident, you're finally stepping into the role of the person leading your patient's medical care. And that's a really special thing. Yeah. Would you say um, this is your biggest takeaway um, during residency so far? So far, um, I think the most important parts of what I thought being a doctor would be came true. And that's, you know, being able to guide your patients through uh kind of uncertain and painful and difficult and tumultuous time and be the one to explain the medical science to them in a way that they can really understand and talk to their family and friends about and help make sense of for themselves and guide them through the process and help them get better ultimately. In in looking forward, it's, uh, you know, applying now for palliative care, I always find it interesting to hear people that are also interested in it because uh, it doesn't feel like it's something that's super widespread yet mm-hmm. uh, how did you become interested in it and 
what do you kind of foresee your, your future career looking like? Mm -hmm. At Vanderbilt, we have this crazy curriculum called Curriculum 2.0, and they got millions of dollars in grant funding to make it happen, and it was a crazy... It was a crazy setup. We did all our preclinical work in our first year, and in our second year, we did our clerkships. And years three and four were a choose your own adventure. Oh wow! And so we got to rotate with subspecialties all over the hospital. Like I did two weeks with peds, IR. Um, I mean, I I did a whole bunch of ICU rotations, and one rotation I did was with palliative care. And as soon as I rotated with them, I realized that that's what I thought being a doctor would be before I applied to medical school. And so it just it clicked right away. And was it just the because what I, what I found really interesting is that it's one of the few places in medicine where you still have that relationship building, mm -hmm. and where you can still have conversations, and you still have protected time. Mm -hmm. um, is that is that similar to what you had experienced? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why I was such a poor fit for emergency medicine, because <laughs> I was sitting in my patient's room talking to them about their condition and guiding them through what to expect. And I mean, I was... <laughs> I was like, John, there's 50 more people you yeah. got to see. Come on. It was not the right workflow. <laughs> so palliative care is all, is all about taking care of the whole person in front of you in addition to prescribing the medications and talking with other physicians. And so it was, it was just a natural fit. I love it. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, we kind of touched on the pandemic a bit already, but going a little bit deeper in that uh, sense uh, what do you you talk about your own personal processing uh, for your emotions but have you, have you processed the event as a whole as a whole I mean I think it's it's just such an individual experience yeah. everyone was impacted in whatever point they were in their own life and it, I, it's a different experience for everyone for I was talking to Connor about this as well for people who aren't in medicine so many people were just stuck at home and it was super boring and they couldn't leave they couldn't engage in their social life and as physicians we were going to work every day and watching people suffer and die and so the pandemic was completely different and some people you know those who have children who are school aged have had them at home for the better part of a year and their kids education is languishing and you know their kids just don't have the you know the richness that they need at whatever point of development they're in and so i just think the pandemic has been such an individual experience yeah i remember talking to my friends who are mostly work for home the ones that get to keep their jobs uh, and they would ask me you know how's it going at work how's it going at work and i just remember thinking i would just tell them it's fine you know yeah because i didn't know what they wanted to hear mm -hmm. and uh <coughs> i I also didn't want to say it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I couldn't explain it. It was just like, it was so bad mm -hmm. on the inside that I didn't want anyone else to know like mm -hmm. that I had to be there or like, you know, uh, our friends had to be there. Uh, but they were at, you know, I can't go to the grocery store. I can't get my hair cut, whatever. And binging Netflix. And I was like, man. That sounds great. Yes, <laughs> exactly. What's, I mean, the, what's the last show on Hulu? Last show on Hulu? <laughs> what's the latest uh, show on Hulu? Type type in. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you get that across to someone, right? That you're going to work every day and watching people suffer and die in ways that you never imagined possible and calling their loved ones on the phone and hearing their hearts break and them not being able to see their loved one. I mean, it's, it's just it was crazy. And it, it is. I mean, we still have patients 
who are really sick from COVID and other parts of the country, you know, currently on this day or have ICUs that are bursting at the seams and who knows what the future holds overall. So yeah, it's a very different pandemic experience for those in healthcare. And it's, it's just impossible for people who aren't in healthcare to know, or, you know, to really know the, what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Straight up. Um, what has, uh, what, uh, another question we've also yeah. been asking is that, uh, our educational process was so altered mm-hmm. throughout this time because uh, at one point we pulled before you guys started we pulled everyone off every service and you were you're doing covid mm-hmm. or you were at home ready to do covid yeah um and i think the year above you really the, uh, i guess for our year me and connor um we had two and three quarters of our training done out of three years uh, or almost two years, yeah. two full years. Yeah, mm-hmm. two years. Um, mm-hmm. So we got to kind of see everything. And, and the year under us was really coming into their own as an intern and mm-hmm. like being ready to be a senior resident. Um, and, you know, the third years were experienced. They were ready to, you know, go to fellowship or be internist or whatever. Um, but the younger people really missed a good chunk of education. Um, and we've been kind of wondering, or I've been asking at least, uh, do you think we're going to be better doctors because of this mm. or worse? It's a tough, I mean, that's a tough question. I've, I've felt it as well. I mean, we still, I mean, we've had in-person conferences for what, a week now? And so in residency, I haven't had in-person conferences in internal medicine yet. Um, and that group academic experience is something that's, a special part and it's a very limited time that you get that residency is short um and so yeah i think we're definitely missing out on that experience i don't know how it's all going to come out in the wash because i don't know yeah you, it's it's hard to predict and it's like more than it's more than just board's pass rates too mm-hmm. right i mean it's it's you know you had a great ex, you know maybe not a great experience but you had the experience when you were on general surgery of like getting to know what a sick patient was or mm-hmm. not sick patient but a lot of that was interrupted for and I think that's what you're getting at mm-hmm. that education of you know seeing a patient because a lot of the training for the, the first the, for some of the younger doctors um, was done over the phone and that was out of necessity to protect everybody um, and so yeah I, I agree I think it's going to be a very interesting to kind of watch the whole of medicine evolve over the next couple of years and the, the to see the full impact on it. I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah. Um, we'll see. I do. Wait, wait and see. I, I think the year under us, uh, I think, took a hit with education, but they're all great uh, and will be fine doctors. I've watched them. Yeah, excellent um, doctors. I think we're going to be all oddly good at managing really sick people mm-hmm. uh, I think I, that's part of the UIC experience yeah I, I think it is uh, you get oddly comfortable with oh I resuscitated all this guy he threw in a bunch of lions oh yeah by the way I did all that for the admit and uh, he's stable now um, probably should have told you a little mm-hmm. bit earlier like kind of <laughs> thing uh, my bad guys uh, it's, all, it's all good let's run it back um, definitely done one or two of those uh, but it's just that's what we had to do. Mm-hmm. What uh, what has your experience at UIC been? Well, if you were to explain what what UIC mm-hmm. stands for, or 
the the atmosphere of the internal medicine program to somebody that's outside of our program, how would you describe it? I cannot imagine an internal medicine program with more autonomy. I think we were given a lot of responsibility and a lot of trust by our attendings once we prove ourselves to attendings who don't know us, of course. But I think um, attendings really let us choose our own management plans as long as it's safe. And they also, once they know that we're reliable, they'll let us really be the ones overseeing our patients most closely and report any issues to them. And I think that that the fact that we don't have that super strict rigid academic hierarchy where you know decisions of increasing acuity always get made by the same person proportional on the academic ladder I, I i think that's just part of the experiential learning here at uic and i i think it's awesome i think it's great yeah uh double-edged sword there too um some people that that's kind of scary mm-hmm. but um I can't imagine it being the other way. Yeah. Because I've had attendings that are too hands-on, and I'm, I'm just like, please, please get off my shoulder. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will let you know when I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I like the, the autonomous version more so than the opposite. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, have you had that moment yet? Um, that you realize you can kind of handle anything that comes your way, like scary things or tough things. Mm. That moment where the coming of age, (laughs) uh, that you're a doctor and you got this. I definitely, I mean, I felt well prepared for a lot of different circumstances um, from my general surge internship and, and definitely learning more and more throughout my medicine intern year. But I've also come to recognize, you know, the limits of my knowledge and experience. And so especially super critically ill patients. I mean, my Mickey rotation is one that I'm definitely going to be a little anxious for and, and nervous for um, since I haven't been ICU senior and kind of ready to, you know, take care of whatever sickest patient in Chicago comes in through the door. Um, but at the same time, I know what I have experience handling. I can handle very well, and you know, I can work with the hospital resources to mobilize things quickly to take care of patients well and then quickly and effectively. Yeah. And uh, I'd say that's equivalent, right? Um, you don't always have to know the answer, mm-hmm. but um, you know who does, yeah. right? And you know how to get them there. And uh, that itself is... I think the crux of internal medicine, right? Uh, you may not, it's so vast, uh, you can't know everything, period. That's why there's subspecialties. Uh, but you just got to put it in a box and talk to somebody um, who might know a little bit more than you. Yeah, and there's like a comfort with uncertainty yeah. that you kind of just get with the experience, which I think you're kind of mm-hmm. alluding to. And you become comfortable with, you know, I don't know the answer here, but I know how to figure it out. And keep the Palm Crit Fellows phone number <laughs> handy. <laughs> or the Cards Fellow. Yeah, or the Liver Fellow. Yeah. <laughs> liver, is a, liver is a different beast. Um, changing topic. Uh, what was your darkest moment during residency so far? Ooh, that's a question I was not prepared for. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, ICU was pretty. ICU was pretty dark. Just seeing like true human suffering and such a. It was so severe and so many patients. I mean, we had like six or eight patients at a time that were 
like really really suffering and sick in the ICU from COVID that was that was especially tough uh, to be in the moment and come in when it's dark and cold and not see the sun and be in a windowless workroom and just you know wash rinse and repeat for a month that was that was a long month definitely definitely um yeah that november was dark Mm -hmm. uh we had a great team though Mm -hmm. uh us web kate um but i remember coming in one, one day i think it was you and uh it was you and adam and I walk in on the couch. It was awful. And I went, guys, this is going very poorly. (laughs) (laughs) And I do uh, remember that. I think Webb just kind of like nodded and agreed. And I was like, I'm not having fun right now. (laughs) Um, Although we had like a great team. We had a great team to get through that month. Oh my gosh. The most bubbly person you've ever met and Mm -hmm. always like brightens the room up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Web, uh, you can make fun of all day and, you know, always has a good laugh. Uh, It it was just a great time. But, you know, it was was a month that you don't forget. Um, And I think that was probably one of the first times in residency I was like, I'm not having fun right now. Mm -hmm. and I love critical care. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That was my jam, or is my jam, I should say. Uh, and it, it was tough. Agreed. There was no better group of people to grit your teeth and and get through some tough patient care with. Yeah. Um, flip side, what was your favorite moment during residency? Favorite moment in residency... I mean, I think it's just the little moments with your patients. Every once in a while, the patient tells you know you'll have a patient tells you exactly what you need to hear in the moment. Um, you know, I surgery year I was taking care of a patient who had an aortic aneurysm and I completely messed up and told him he had a descending aneurysm instead of an ascending aneurysm. Completely different management. I mean, it's a big CT surgery handling ascending aneurysm and. I went back and, you know, it had been a long, tough year, and I went back and I told him the mistake I'd made, and he and his wife were just unfailingly forgiving, and and that kind of forgiveness was something I really needed at that point in time, and, um, and, you know, you always have patients who, you know, every once in a while will tell you exactly what you need to hear in the moment, and I think those are my my most special moments. That's really cool. Yeah, because you, you yourself get lost sometimes. At least I, at least I have. Um, and sometimes patients just find a way of kind of helping you refine yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very, very grateful for moments like that, and that 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 grace, that that gratefulness. You know, that that's that's a pretty special moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what have you found the most difficult um, recently with this new jump as a senior? Mm, I think it's it's not having the uh, enough time to devote to each of my patients on a daily basis that I'd like to. Um, you know, ideally each day I would sit down with each of my patients, talk through how they're feeling, and recap their illness and their hospital course, and talk through the plan and and talk to their loved ones and answer all their questions and that's just not possible as a senior with you know all the different aspects of the team that you're managing and so I just try to find the time to do that with at least a couple of patients each day yeah um, 
I guess we, we both just, I'm on service, you just came off service uh, for the first time. Um, and I felt like I actually had time to, you know, talk to my patients mm-hmm. and like hear what they were saying and examine them thoroughly. Um, it was, it was kind of refreshing. Uh, I don't think I've like felt that in a while, you know? Yeah. Kind of going from the task manager to the team leader. Yeah. Yeah. True team leader. Yeah, like you yeah. are at mm-hmm. the top, and you are. I mean, as as yeah. the senior, you are absolutely the team leader. Um, mm-hmm. But as the attendant, you have a little bit more time. Yeah, it's all it's all very cyclical. Life is a big circle. Life, not not to get too too existential there. Before yeah. long, we'll all be attending. So <laughs> residency <laughs> will feel distant, yeah. but not right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right now, it's it's very much back to like that med student to first year jump or that first year to second year jump. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the medicine is the difference. Uh, it's just a complete different level of comfort and discomfort at the same time. Uh, and I think that is kind of what you feel at every level um, as we kind of sum it up I think everyone says something very similar they're very excited you know they all love the new role or they're ready to get rid of the old role Mm -hmm. and like whatever dangers or um, new responsibilities and challenges uh, they're up for it definitely one thing I noticed is that every single year from my first year medical school to now I've been more and more satisfied with Mm, my job every single year that's great I hated being a student. Yeah, you did. You did yeah. not. I was not a huge fan of just being just a sitting in a room, reading a book, textbook. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't enjoy that. No, no I used uh, pop up books actually all through medical school. Pop up book. What's that? Uh, it was a joke. It went over your head. Don't worry about it. Went it. Way over I, your head. I didn't get yeah, that. Yeah, nobody got yet. the joke. But, you know, pop up books like a kid. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Illustrated. So you got illustrated TV. books. No, I'm gonna have to cut Is this that out. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally gonna have to edit all of this out. <laughs> that hey, didn't fly. Didn't fly. <laughs> didn't land. <laughs> and it's okay. And we're back in three, two. <laughs> no. uh, all right. Kind of, kind of finishing up here uh, towards the end. Uh, what are you most excited about in the future? Ooh, good question. Um, I don't know. It's been so day by day for so long. Is I don't know. I just saw my friends, like all, all my closest friends from college. They all kind of converged in New York City, and they all live in New York City. Um, they moved from all across the country to be there, and it was awesome. And so I'm really looking forward to the day when I have either much more time to see them or I just live very close to them. Mm. Yeah. All my best buds oh, are in New York. that's great. Mm-hmm. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Connor, you got any final thoughts? Do I have any final thoughts? I I do not. This has been a really fun series. It has, I um, think. Uh, go ahead. And, yeah, are you going to talk about me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you thought that we would have more chemistry at this point. Yeah, yeah. it's really devolved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think it's been it's been such a, a great experience to, mm. to hear the progression which I think was the, the point of it yeah. um, while also kind of processing the the collective trauma that 
that COVID was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was really, it was helpful uh, mm-hmm. for, and you know, I'll, I'll be a little bit selfish. It was helpful for me to kind of discuss it. Um, and I don't know if you felt similar, but um, it was it was really nice to get to know our colleagues a little better, mm-hmm. our co-residents, our family. Um, and so I'm really, really grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, I think I, I kind of mirror the same thing. Um, I felt better after these. Uh, we get to talk to some of our best friends uh, throughout this entire series, starting uh, with PGY3s and how they grew up and went through everything. Uh, learned a lot about my own friends that uh, I thought were very close and just continued learning uh, the crazy things we do before medical school and how, the, how their life evolved to where they are now. Um, what it's like going through the med- medical education system through our program training experiences that we all had. Um, it's all unique to everybody. Everyone experiences life a little bit differently, although we're in the same program. Mm-hmm. John, any final thoughts? Agreed. Thank you guys for having me here. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time. Another so fun. Episode. All right. Onward. <laughs>